Amen. Certainly enjoyed uh, what has gone on before. I don't say that just to say it. I felt like the Lord richly blessed Brother Tim. Uh, please continue to pray that the Lord will continue to bless us uh, throughout this portion of the service as well. Really enjoyed the song service. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I've never heard uh, the last song we sung, the, not, not, not just then, but before the preaching service. I will call upon the Lord. I never heard it sung the way y'all did it before. And so uh, I don't follow the parts like you should. <laughs> I always <laughs> seem to sing when the sisters sing. So, so I was getting all caught up in that, and I was, you know, uh, just following it with my head. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you just, I was basically singing both parts, but not at the right time. <laughs> and, and just paying attention to the words, just something welled up in me. And whenever we got to where we all sing together, I just wanted to stand up and shout. I'm going to tell you, it's good. Uh, so don't take that as a critique. I'm just saying the Lord was, Lord certainly blessed that. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I pray that we will call upon the Lord one more time, that the Lord will bless us to, just for a little bit. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Please be praying for us. <clears throat> Apostle Paul is writing here, he says, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. Don't have a bunch of different doctrines. Know what you believe. And, and, and I'll just get on a hobby horse here. I, I've talked to people and I asked them what they believe and, and, and I, even family members and they would tell me, they, they would say, we don't get into doctrine. That, that, that divides. I'm going to tell you, Paul tells us to be steadfast in the doctrine. I've heard people say, uh, I asked them what their articles of faith are, and they, and they say, we don't know. We, if there's anything we need to be serious about in this world, it needs to be the way we worship our God. We need to know what we believe, and we need to know what the people we worship with believe. But it says, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, not, not with works, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. If, if the Lord will bless us just for a little bit, I want to look at this phrase that the writer writes. It says, For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Uh, Brother Tim was telling us a little bit about uh, the Hebrew meaning of the word uh, trust there, and, and I, I, I appreciated that. It kind of uh, enlightened that, kind of uh, made that... Uh, Gave it a new brightness of understanding what that means. But you know, sometimes we use the word good like it's just very flippantly sometimes. You know, I, I don't want to hurt my wife's feelings. She says, how's that casserole? Oh, it was good. <laughs> Please don't make it again, but it was good. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> because you know what I found out? If I say, if I say it's good... And I like it. She's going to cook it again. So I got to be honest. And I'm trying to navigate how honest I want to be. I kind of ease in there. But you look that word up good. It doesn't mean like, hey, how's that water? Oh, it was good. Or uh, how was that movie? Oh, it was good. The word there, good, in the, in the Greek, you know what it means? It means beautiful. Right here, the word of God says it's a beautiful thing. You know what else that word means? It means handsome. 
It means excellent. You know what else it means? It means magnificent. Wow. I'm going to tell you, Jesus says it like this. There's none good but God. We talked yesterday about great is the mystery of godliness. I'm going to tell you, it's a godly thing for your heart to be established with grace. It's an excellent thing. It's a magnificent thing. It's a beautiful thing. Brothers and sisters, y'all don't know me. I'm going to tell you, my, he, he talks about his spiritual journey began here in Nashville. Mine began in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was a bouncer. I was a bartender. I was an alcoholic. I was a dopehead. I was going against everything that God says is good. And I'm going to tell you, one night the Lord appeared unto me, and the next day whenever I woke up, I hated myself. For the first time in my life, I didn't see myself as good. I seen myself as evil. And I did nothing to get that. I'm going to tell you the very moment that I, uh, 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 the worst moment in my life, the worst, the, the, the worst I ever felt about myself was also the best feeling I ever felt because I felt the glory of God. It was the first time that, the, in, in my opinion, that, the, that I ever felt the Spirit of God because He was in me. But you know why it was a horrible moment to me? Because whenever the light of Jesus Christ came into my heart, it shined upon all the impurities. And for the first time, I was able to see myself as a sinner. You read Romans chapter 7 and Paul says all I knew about the law, all I knew about lust, all I knew about covetousness is that the law said don't do it. <laughs> he said, but there came a time where that commandment wasn't out here, but it was in here. And I want you to understand, I did nothing good to receive it. I was doing everything against it. I, t I was raised to talk about and to hate you good people. And I would talk about and I would hate you. Paul was killing Christians. He was throwing them in prison and compelling them to blaspheme Jesus Christ. And on his way to continue that endeavor in life, guess who stopped him? The Lord of glory. Not You, you know what being born again is? Oh, brothers and sisters... We need to tell people what being born again is. It's when eternal life enters your heart. It's whenever the God of this universe comes and dwells in you. Is that not amazing? What could we do to merit that? What, how can an unrighteous creature entice righteousness? How could a timely creature pay an eternal debt? It ain't happening. That's why it says Christ through the eternal spirit. <laughs> and then I come to church. Well, whenever the Lord touched me, <laughs> it took me about six months to get out of the living situation I was in. I was so entangled in sin. I even, I even tried to join the army. I, did, I, I didn't know how to get out of the, the, the being entrenched in the, 
drugs and alcohol and ungodliness that I was in. And I was like, I need some, I need some discipline in my life, brother, brother Tim. So I tried to join the army. And they, and they, and they said, you got to lose some weight. And I was like, I thought that's what y'all helped me do. <laughs> and you know what day they turned me down? September the 10th, 2001. Next day, they'd have probably took me. My mama said, that's the only time I was ever thankful that you were overweight. <laughs> but it took me a while. It took me about six months to, to leave that situation I was in. And I, and I went back to the home, my hometown. And I started reading 30, 40, 50 chapters of the Bible a day. And I started trying to work my way into heaven. <laughs> I started trying to make myself righteous. And I ended up depressed. I ended up miserable. You know why? Because I realized at the end of the day, I was still unrighteous. At the end of the day, I was still a sinner. And people over in uh, Romans chapter 8, I think around verse 24, 25, it talks about how we are saved by hope. And I've heard some people have a hard times explaining to folks what that means to be saved by hope. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19 tells you exactly what that means. You know what Paul said? By the way, what is hope? In, in, in that context, in Romans 8 there, and also in 1 Corinthians 15 and 19, it is talking about our earnest expectation of going to heaven. Now there is a hope in this life that the promises that Jesus, the temporal promises that Jesus gave us, if we abide by them, I'm going to find rest, joy, peace, and comfort. Amen? As much as you hope and you earnestly expect to go to heaven, that is how much you need to earnestly expect that whenever Jesus said, if you do this, you're going to get rest. You do it, you're going to find rest. Not wealth, but rest. <laughs> but look what Paul says about our hope. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are what? We are all men most miserable. So what does hope in eternal life save me from? Being miserable. Does that not make sense to you? Brothers and sisters, if you're a born again child of God, and you see yourself as a sinner, and the light of Jesus is shining all of your impurities to you, and you understand that no matter what you do, they're still there. And you realize you can't fulfill a law to make yourself righteous. And you realize that since you can't do it, you're going to go to hell. You know how you're going to feel? Miserable. But then one day, one day I believed in salvation by grace. I want to tell you, you know what I haven't felt anymore? Miserable. Miserable. I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm like Brother David Guthrie says, I'm as gracie as Noah was arcing. That's the reason it says it is a good thing. It is an excellent thing. It is a beautiful thing. It's a magnificent thing for the heart to be established with grace. And then, and then think, think about this. I, I'm, I joined the church uh, about... Uh, seven months after I moved back to my hometown and, and, and I'm just eating the word up because I had never read it before. And I'm just eating it up and then about a year, about nine months after I joined the church, I start trying to make efforts behind the pulpit and then I start meeting younger preachers and I start hearing people say, 
we're, we're not going to be like the mother preachers. We're not going to preach grace. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> I mean, I mean, dude, that's why I'm here. I'm going to tell you, it's a magnificent, it's a beautiful, it's an excellent thing for the heart to be established. But, you know, then I start to learn people's experiences. Not everybody had the same church experience that I had. I'm going to tell you, whenever I joined the church, Elder Jerry Williams, he preached all the counsel of God. He preached all the counsel of God. You, you didn't have to start, start trying to make up seminars to get all the counsel of God. My pastor preached all the counsel of God. I, I, I heard about the evils of sodomy. I heard about the evils of fornication. And I heard about the grace of Jesus Christ that should inspire me to leave the evils of this world. And I understood not, not everybody had that same experience. And really what they meant whenever people said they're tired of hearing grace, they weren't tired of hearing grace. They were tired of hearing the same sermon every Sunday. I'm going to tell you what I loved, what made me fall in love with this brother's preaching years before I ever met him, what made me fall in love with Brother Sonny Powell's preaching years before I ever met him, because they could take the book of Habakkuk, and I can't even pronounce it, but they could take it and they could show me Jesus in it. Do you ever get tired of looking at pictures of your spouse? You ever get tired of looking at pictures of the one that you love the most? Read the Bible. You will see Jesus all in it. I want to tell you, if I'm going through Facebook, which I never had until I got married, and ah, uh, it is, it's Facebook. And it's fake book. Nobody, no, nobody ever posts. <laughs> Failed my test today. You know, you see, you, see, you see people going to like a meeting like this, and they'll post it when there's 300 people there. But you never see them post, there was two of us gathered today. <laughs> About my father's business. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's Facebook. It is. And look, I post stuff too. Because I'm married, it's the anniversary, I got to do it. <laughs> But brothers and sisters, if I, if, I, if, I, if I see a picture of my wife on Facebook, I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to see what's going on in there. Because that's the person I love the most in this world. And I'm going to tell you, that's how it needs to be with that Bible. With the book. We need to be looking for pictures of Jesus Christ. Because He is grace. I got the one word. <laughs> Good. But I say all that to say this, brothers and sisters, and then, and then I've seen people, i actually seen this. i seen a, I seen a family one time, and, 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 and I'm not putting anybody down. Please, please don't take this the wrong way. I, I, I preach from experience because I want people to learn. I want, I want people to learn. This family one time, they, they, they said, Brother Danny, we're so happy we, we called this new pastor, and, and, and he doesn't preach grace. All he does is preach works. And they're not talking about going to heaven, but just how you should live. They said he doesn't preach grace. And he even said it. He said, he said the Bible's 1% grace, 99% what, 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 what we should do. And then I seen this very same family two years later. And they were crying because they didn't believe that they were children of God. Because how could a child of God 
do and think the things that they do. You know what they needed to be established in? Grace. I looked at her and said, Sister, the reason you feel like that is because you are a child of God. You just cooked me bacon. You're going to heaven. Praise God. And so I'm not putting down preaching works, but I want you to understand we need balanced diets. We don't need, we need to quit having knee-jerk reactions in the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, this is what you experienced, so let's go on the other side. I'm going to tell you, I, I need to know that Jesus died for me. I need to know that I'm going to heaven. I need to know that every Sunday. But also, I need to know what my response needs to be because He did that for me. Look what it says here. Be not cared about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing. I love that. It's beautiful. It's excellent. It's handsome. It's magnificent. That the heart, the heart, what does that mean there? Is it, is, is it talking about this thing that I learned a lot about in anatomy and physiology whenever I went to nursing school? No, it's talking about the center. <laughs> The very center of your universe, the very center of your being, the very center of your thoughts and intents. For it is a good thing, but for the very center of you, for you to be centered around grace. And you know what it says? For it is a good thing for the heart to hear it one time a year. No, for it is a good thing for the heart to be established. That means firm, that means bedrock. For the heart to be established with grace. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to be preaching grace. And if the Lord bless us. <laughs> I want to look at three reasons why it's a good thing, why it's an excellent thing, why it's a beautiful thing for your heart to be established with grace. Now, and these aren't the only three reasons, but these are the <laughs> three that's on my mind this morning. Number one, give all glory to God. If you truly understand what salvation by grace is, there's nothing else that you can do but give all praise, all honor, all glory to our God. The God of salvation is what He's called in the book. Number two, if you really understand what salvation by grace is, and you understand that without grace, without God being in your life, without you being born of the Spirit, you can do nothing good, if you really understand that, whenever you see yourself bearing the fruits of the Spirit, you're able to understand that you are a child of God. And number three, if we truly understand what salvation by grace is, it inspires us and it should motivate us and it should make us committed, Brother Tim, to showing grace to other people. If you have your Bibles with you, like to turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened, and you, <laughs> you church members, you, you Jesus Christ believers, <laughs> and you hath he quickened. Quicken means make spiritually alive. You know how he was able to tell them? You know how he was able to know that you had he quickened? You know, you know how he knew that they had spiritual life? Because they were believers. They had joined the church. And I'm going to tell you, first, 
1 John chapter 5 says, He that believeth that Jesus is the Christ will be born again, right? <laughs> he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ is what? Is born again. You show me a born again believer in Christ Jesus, I'll show you a child of God. And here Paul was saying, and you have he, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, there, and we might preach on this tomorrow, I don't know, but over in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 through about verse 14, Paul tells Timothy how to preach the gospel. And I'm just gonna give you the cliff notes. He says, first thing you do, you let them know that if Jesus died for you, you're going to heaven. Second thing you do is you let them know that whenever they suffer in this life uh, for following Christ, that they're going to be reigning with Christ. That they're going to be lifted up above the shadows of this world. And the third thing you do, you let them know that because this life is hard, they're going to want to deny the Lord. And whenever you do deny the Lord, you need to understand that not only is Jesus your eternal Savior, He's also your comforter in this world, and you're not going to be comforted. And then you know what the last thing He does? (laughs) Even if you're unfaithful, even if you don't follow the Lord, He can't deny Himself. He's in you, you're in Him, and you're going to be in heaven. Well, I'm telling you, Paul shows a pattern of the gospel preacher that whenever you come and you preach to God's people, first thing you need to do, you let them know they're going to heaven. Second thing you need to do, you, you comfort them and you inspire them to do the right thing. You're going to be reigning with Christ. You're going to have spiritual blessings whenever you draw closer to your Lord. And, 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 and your flesh is going to attack you and going to want to keep you from following the Lord because it's hard. It is hard to follow Jesus sometimes. Really, and I, I give this, I've given this analogy so many times people probably roll their eyes whenever they hear it. I know my wife does. Brother, brother says, Jesus Christ is our comforter. He says the Holy Ghost is the comforter. The comforter which is the Holy Ghost. What do you go to for comfort? Whenever we seek something else for comfort, and say, Lord, we are denying the Lord. You know why I got up to 550 pounds? Because Popeye's chicken was my comforter. Fried fish was my comforter. Four triple cheeseburgers and a Diet Coke was my comforter. Two Diet Cokes, so they'll understand that there's two people eating this, not one. When there's really just one. But what I want you to understand, I was seeking the flesh to find comfort because I felt miserable. You know why? Because this is a, this is a fallen world. This ain't, one of our problems is we're trying to make this utopia. We're trying to look around us and we're trying to uh, uh, grab comfort and hope and peace from the things around us instead of looking up. And I'm going to tell you, whenever I sought the things of this world for comfort, I had none. And he tells us, whenever you preach to God's people, you let them know they're going to heaven. And you let them know whenever they seek him, they're going to be blessed and they're going to be reigning with Him as kings and priests in this earth. But you also let them know that whenever they go the other way, (laughs) they're not going to find comfort. They're not going to find peace. But then you leave them with this. Even if they do mess up in this world, He cannot deny Himself.
And if he denies you, if you go to hell, he'd be denying himself because you are in him and he's in you. I'm going to tell you, what, what my whole point of that is, what, what, what he lays out to people is, what he lays out to the preacher is, comfort them with salvation. Show them the blessings and obedience. Show, show them the chastisement and disobedience, but then reaffirm to them that no matter what happens in this life, they're still going to heaven. And that's exactly how he starts out Ephesians chapter 2. He says, and you hath he quickened. I know that you have spiritual life. And you were dead. You had nothing. There was nothing that you could offer. You were dead. And he born you of his spirit. Now let me rush on. <laughs> Sorry, I get bogged down sometimes, Brother Ronald. <laughs> Just want to make this point. Eighth verse. We're skipping. <laughs> For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. For by grace are ye saved unmerited favor, unearned favor. I'm going to tell you when the Lord put eternal life in me, I was not seeking after Him. I was not doing anything to get Him. I'm going to tell you I received eternal life by the very sovereign grace of God. Apostle Paul, whenever he was seeking uh, to destroy those who called on the very name of the Lord, that's whenever the Lord uh, uh, imparted eternal life to him and put eternal life uh, uh, in his heart vitally. I understand uh, that, that legally on the cross, uh, uh, he was blood-bought legally on the cross by Jesus Christ. I understand that before the foundation of the world and the mind of God, God placed him in Christ Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, on the road to Damascus, the Lord born him of his spirit and he imparted unto him eternal life. And if that's how he got eternal life, wow, he didn't do nothing to earn it. And you know what Paul says? He says, I'm the pattern. I'm the pattern. So if that's how he was born again, guess what? That's how every single one of us is born again. You say, I've never persecuted the church. The, the, the pattern is the fact you weren't seeking God, God sought you. That's the pattern. Salvation by the free grace of God. And if you understand, as, as Psalms 14 says, it says that God looked down from heaven and He looked at us. And Psalms 14, it says, A-L-L, space together meaning all the people together. He's seen us fall. He's seen that we were all undone. And, and there's a reason I, I, I do that word, A-L-L, then space together. Because that means that the Lord looked down on man and He's seen everybody together fall in Christ. You understand that? All together. But then over in Psalm 53, whenever it talks about all together, it's one word, all together. A-L together, okay? One word. You know what that means? From your head, uh, from your head to your toe. And I'm going to tell you, whenever we fell in Adam, every one of that Adam represented fell from head to toe. Not a good thing within you. And the reason you need to understand that 
is because if you realize that there wasn't a good thing within you, then you have to confess. You have to realize. I mean, there's no other logical, biblical, logical conclusion to reach than it must have been all of God. So then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look what it says. You ain't told us which verse yet. Uh, Verse 30. But of Him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom. What is wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. What that tells you is that Jesus has given you wisdom whenever you're born again. Jesus on the cross gave you righteousness. Before the foundation of the world, the Lord sanctified you in Christ Jesus. He sanctified you on the cross in a legal sense whenever Jesus uh, uh, died for your sins. And He sanctifies you here in this life uh, whenever He borns you of His Spirit. He sets you apart from the unregenerate. And I'm going to tell you one sweet and beautiful day whenever the Lord comes back, He's going to sanctify us and take us to heaven and the goats are going to hell. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, there, there, there are four sanctifications that happens to every little child of God. They were sanctified, they were separated before the foundation of the world in the mind of God and placed in Christ Jesus. On the cross, they were sanctified. They were, they were paid for legally by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, here in this world, they are sanctified, they are separated from the rest of the world. What, what, what does that mean? They're sanctified, they're separated from the rest of the world. They, what does that mean? We got the Spirit. The goats don't. We are separated. That's why Paul calls us a peculiar people. You know, you're the only people who can forgive. You're the only people who can bless when cursed. You're the only people who can truly have long-suffering, forbearance, and forgiveness. Let us act that way. And redemption. Freedom! Freedom! I probably shouldn't even mention this movie. I'm not going to mention the name, but that's kind of how I feel sometimes whenever I'm preaching, whenever I'm reading the Bible, and the Lord blesses me to see uh, uh, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. I just want to be like, freedom! I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about? Don't put me back under bondage! Don't make me feel, don't preach grace. I'm going to tell you, if we believe in unconditional election, don't put no conditions on it. Don't say, if you've done this, you're really not a child of God. Or all children of God do this. I'm going to tell you, unconditional election means unconditional election. The only conditions that are laid upon election is what God did. Every child of God is foreknown. Every child of God uh, is predestinated. Every child of God is called. Every child of God, by God, by the way, not by the preacher. Every child of God is justified. And every child of God is glorified. You add anything else to it, you're adding to the Bible. Don't put bondage on me. I I got a really good friend. He joined another Primitive Baptist church who preached another thing. And he said, Brother Danny, they preached it in such a way that every time I drove home from church, I thought I was going to hell because I wasn't persevering. 
He said, because I wasn't living to the standard that they told me I should. And I know this man. This man is loving. This man is kind. This man homeschools his kids. I'm not saying that that's the standard. But I'm saying that he does that to keep his kids separated from the world. This man gives liberally to God's church. This man is living above Brother Danny. And I'm going to tell you, if he ain't got it, I ain't got it. I'm going to tell you what, whenever I leave church, I want to leave church comforted. I want to leave church inspired. And I want to leave church glorifying my God. Not focusing on what it's going to feel like in eternity in hell. Over in Jeremiah 33 and 16. Y'all, y'all give me about 10 minutes. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you have people ask sometimes, they say, how do, how do you know that you're the true church? Well, what's the Bible prophesy about the true church? What's the Bible teach us that the true church is going to be doing? Over in Jeremiah 33 and 16, it's talking about Jerusalem, the city of God, in the future tense whenever Jesus comes. You know what it says that she's going to be called? Our acceptance is our righteousness. Our baptism is our righteousness. Our perseverance is our righteousness. <laughs> you, know, you know what she's going to be called? The Lord, our righteousness. Brothers and sisters, if you're a member of a church that preaches anything besides the Lord, our righteousness, it ain't the church. The city of God, Jerusalem, is going to be professing the Lord, our righteousness. You know what that does? That gives all glory to God. Go with me over to Isaiah 12. <laughs> I just thought about something. And, and I know y'all aren't like this, but I, I, got, I got to share this with you. Because y'all, y'all were intent, y'all were paying attention to Brother Tim. Y'all, y'all are paying attention to me, or, or, or else you're really good pretenders. But, uh, <laughs> but I looked at the time, and I seen it's like 12.03, like uh, overtime. <laughs> so, so what if Tennessee and Alabama was playing in the SEC championship game, right? And then it got to the fourth quarter, and it's 24 to 24. And then it goes 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Darn! Well, fourth quarter's over with. Let's go to the house. I mean, is that, is that, is that what we're going to do? No, y'all know better than that. Overtime free football. <laughs> I was watching ESPN one time. They said the greatest game that was ever played, seven overtimes. I said, thank God that wasn't church. <laughs> greatest game ever played, seven overtimes. Oh, brothers and sisters, I got news for you. Georgia winning the, the, the national title did not take one person out of hell. And I'm going to tell you, if Tennessee would have won the national title, everybody's going to hell, still going to be in hell. And everybody's going to heaven, still going to be in heaven. I'm going to tell you what, and it's a temporary joy. Whenever LSU, which I'm from Louisiana, when LSU finally won the national title, I realized how fleeting that really was. Because the next day I woke up, I was like, oh, I still got to go to work. Don't they know LSU won? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, if this is the joy of the whole earth, my goodness, we need to train ourselves to act like it. Preach on, preach on, preach on. 
Thank you. <laughs> Isaiah 12. Look at this. Look at this. And, th- and this is what we're doing this morning. Look, look at what this says here. And I wish I had time to go back and show you what day this is talking about. But, but you go back and you look at it. It's a beautiful picture. This is talking about the gospel day when Jesus Christ, the branch, the root of David, the branch of David, the root of Jesse, the branch of David, uh, the branch of Jesse. I mean, how can, how can Jesus be the root and the branch? He's the beginner and the end. But it's talking about in that day, the gospel day, when Jesus comes. Look, look what our message... If you want to know if you're a part of the true church, if you want to know if you're giving all glory to God, look what our message is in Isaiah 12. And in that day, the day of Jesus, the gospel day, when Jesus dies for our sins, and I'm going to tell you, whenever His uh, disciples and His ministers that are sent from God start preaching, this is what you and I are going to be doing. And in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise Thee. Though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Though I was supposed to go to hell, you turned your anger away in Christ Jesus. And now, not only am I not going to hell, you send your very presence down here, and you comfort me. Isn't that beautiful? And then, and then look what it says in the 6th verse. I love this. I tell people I'm an Isaiah chapter 12, verse 6, primitive Baptist. And, 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 and let's start this thing, okay? If somebody gets a little happy in the church of God, let's not call them Pentecostal primitive Baptist. Let's just call them primitive Baptist, okay? I mean, because look what it says here. <laughs> Cry out and shout. Thou inhabitant of Zion. You know what Zion is? The church. You know what inhabitant of Zion is? It's a church member. Cry out and shout, Thou inhabitant of Zion. Why? For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Not, it's not talking about, it says thou inhabitant of Zion. Yes, the Lord is in the midst of the church. But I'm going to tell you what, He's in you. Brothers and sisters, I ain't going to be able to spend no time on this. I'm going to jump to, verse, to the third point real quick. And if you don't understand this, please come talk to me. But I'm going to tell you what, if you have love in your heart, if you've had any joy this morning, if you believe in a God that you cannot see, if you believe that Jesus is, that, that, that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died for your sins, you are a child of God. If you believe that He was born of a virgin, that He died and He was raised again on the third day, I'm going to tell you that's spiritual things and only spiritual people can believe it and the only spiritual people that exist are God's people. And I'm going to tell you what, I ain't worried about busting hell wide open. I can't wait till the skies busted wide open and the Lord says, come forth, my beloved. Rise up and come away. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Tim, that day we're going to be glorified. And we're going to sparkle. And there's going to be a glory about us that we can never imagine. And we're going to float into the air and forever be with the Lord. And what should our reaction be to that? Do you deserve the grace that you've been given? If you were dead, what, what, what could you do to merit that favor? Not a thing. Go me over to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. I want to be better, Brother Ronald. I want to quit talking about folks. 
Brother, Brother Tim was talking about those boxes. You know, you're, you have your work life, you have your family life, you have your church life. I call them boxes. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he said boxes, but that's, that, that's what I call them. I'm pretty good at forgiving 95% of human population, but I got my boxes. My sister lives in one of them. I mean, let's just be real. Right? Someday my coworkers live in one of them. You know what? And that, and, that, and that one church member that everybody understands why they're in a box, you know, because they're just lesser than everybody. They're a worse, they're the sinner of all sinners. You know, they're, they're worse than all those. It took more of the blood of Jesus to get them than it did me. That's called sarcasm, by the way. You know, he says, thou worm Jacob. Look, Paul says, don't compare yourselves to yourself. Could you see two maggot worms? Because that's what's talking about a maggot worm. Could you see two maggot worms going, well, I'm better than you. I'm a little longer than you are. Yeah, but you're bigger around than me, so I'm better than you. Whenever we start comparing ourselves to us, you know why we don't forgive folks? Because even though we know that we're all bankrupt sinners, we still try to make ourselves better than each other. Brothers and sisters, yes, Brother Bob may not deserve. I mean, whenever you talk about deserve, he don't deserve forgiveness, but neither did you. And you know what Ephesians 4 says? It says the same way that God forgave you is the same way that you should forgive other folks. Oh, my goodness. And whenever I think about that, you know what it says in Colossians 4? Let all your words, all your speech be seasoned with grace. Speaking kindly. I don't always speak kindly about people. Over in Ephesians 4, it says, be kind, tenderhearted. Is everything that you say kind and tenderhearted? I would beg to say that 100% of us in here say things that aren't kind, and aren't tenderhearted. But because of the grace of God that's been bestowed upon us, you know what you and I should be committed to? We should be committed to being more kinder, more tenderhearted, more forgiving, and more loving. Because I'm going to tell you what. It says, Lord, if you mark iniquities, who shall stand? Nobody. And if we mark iniquities in the church of God, if we mark iniquities in the household, okay, the wife transgressed 40 times. The husband only transgressed 28 times, which is probably a lie. Uh, I'm still winning. No, brothers and sisters. Even if you think she's transgressed against you 50 times and you've only done it once, grace. You understand what I'm saying? Grace. Oh, that message that preacher preached too long? Grace. I'm going to tell you, that sister never brings a big enough pot for all of us to eat? Grace. Those people never bring nothing. They just come to eat grace. I'm going to tell you what, brothers and sisters, if we don't have grace, we ain't got nothing. I love you and God bless you.